Good morning, everyone. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, we're happy to have you, honored to have you if you're visiting with us. We want you to come back each and every opportunity. Uh, we are a family of faith where you can find God and His love, and we want you to be a part of that. Uh, and we all struggle with how can we really please God? Because we know our personal weaknesses. The Bible even says that we're sinners, that there's none just, none are righteous. But we still, we want to please God. And, 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 and I'm sure that's why you're here this morning. Maybe there's somebody here that just came out of curiosity. But I really believe that most of us are here because we want to please God. Growing up years ago, um, when it would be my father's birthday or for Christmas, I would ask him, Dad, what do you want for Christmas as a child? And, like I had any money or I could buy anything that really would impress him. And he said, no, I don't want anything. I just want your kids to be good. And that would frustrate us, would me at least, because I wanted to get something that would really make my dad happy. One year for Christmas, I got him a box of man-sized Kleenexes. And I thought, uh, you know, that, I was really proud of that. I probably spent a dollar on that or something. But how do we please God? You know, to think that really we can do anything that, that would just honor God, that would be so tremendous that he would just have to fall over and thank us. Well, we're going to talk this morning about how we please God. And, and we do that by looking at the example that Jesus left for us. Jesus pleased God. He didn't always please man. Some, obviously, some people wanted him to die. They wanted to get rid of him, but he always pleased God. And we're going to talk about eight different ways that Jesus pleased God. Uh, beginning in Matthew chapter 3, turn in your Bibles with me to Jesus' baptism. Here is one of the first places we hear about God saying himself that he was pleased with Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. We'll be reading some verses from our Bible, have other verses up on the PowerPoint, uh, but some of the longer uh, passages we want to read from our Bible. So Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens opened, were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Verse 17, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, God declared to the world, to, to everyone, that he is pleased with Jesus because Jesus does the will of the Father. Jesus uh, is uh, perfect. He's God in the flesh. There's another passage here in Matthew chapter 17. This is later on in Jesus' ministry. Turn over to Matthew chapter 17. Later on in Jesus' ministry, and he takes Peter and John with him. 
they go up to a mountain and uh, one more proof that Jesus is from God. He's the Son of God. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. Matthew 17, beginning at verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Verse 5. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So God tells us very plainly that he's pleased with Jesus. So uh, why is it? that God was pleased with Jesus. Obviously, there's a lot more reasons than the eight that we're going to share this morning, but there are eight reasons that we ourselves can practice. We can uh, let become a part of who we are. The first uh, way that Jesus pleased God is by doing His will. Jesus was consumed by doing God's will. In verse 29 of John chapter 8, the Bible says, And he who sent me is with me, he has not left me alone, Jesus speaking, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. You know, as uh, not just the youth, but as any Christian, we always have some tough choices to make, some decisions to make. And uh, they wouldn't be so tough, wouldn't be so hard on us if we just stopped to ask us, what would God want me to do in this situation? What would please him? Then the answer to our decisions, I think, will become much clearer. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, we have a passage here where Jesus is telling us, explaining to us that it's not just good enough to be religious. You have to do what God wants, not just have a, a, a religious vocabulary. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And so uh, we need to be practicing the will of God in our lives if we expect to please God. Open your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 31. Here um, we have Jesus and the disciples. They're traveling. And uh, they stop at a well, the disciples go into the town to uh, buy food. Jesus is resting there, and, and a, a Samaritan woman comes to draw water from the well. And in verse 31, we read, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him to eat, saying, Rabbi, when they came back, they, had, they brought food. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Obviously, he's speaking about spiritual food, okay? Verse 33, so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In other words, what drives me, what motivates me, what gives me energy, what I live for is to do the will of the Father. And that's certainly what we, the attitude we need to have in order to please God. 
Now, uh, in Luke 22, verse 22, chapter 22, beginning at verse 39, Jesus is about to be betrayed. He knows that his death is imminent. He knows because he's God in the flesh. He knows about the terrible suffering that he's going to go through. And so... In verse 39 of Luke 22, the Bible says, And he came out and went as was, as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. Jesus uh, typically, traditionally, customarily went to the Mount of Olives to pray. And the disciples followed him, verse 40. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing... Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He, he, he knows the suffering. He's asking God, he's praying, God, let, take this cup away. Let, let's do this some other way if it's possible. But if not, may your will be done. And that's the attitude that we ought to have in our lives. No matter how difficult our choices may, may be, we want to please God. So Jesus pleased God by doing his will. And secondly, he pleased God by living a focused lifestyle. Focused lifestyle. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, we can get so busy with everything in this world. We have more things now than we can possibly uh, handle. Uh, we've got information from the Internet. We've got cable TV. We've got cell phones. We've got sports that you've never even heard about coming, you know, uh, We've got so many choices. We've got clubs and associations and, and, and causes and political causes. Life can be so hectic. But Jesus lived a, a focused lifestyle. Uh, then a teacher of the law, a Pharisee, came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus during his ministry, they were camping out, basically. Uh, he had a home in Nazareth with his mother, but once he started his ministry, they were, they were traveling, they were camping out, living a tough life, and he's, he's sharing that with this man that wants to be one of his disciples. Now, uh, sometimes we often forget, yes, Jesus had the 12 apostles, but there were other disciples that followed Jesus as well. And so this man, uh, Jesus is, is calling him to, to think about the, the sacrifice that, that he might have to go through. Also, he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, uh, I think America is the only place that there are storage, uh, I don't know what you call it, storage units all over the place. I've never seen a storage unit in Brazil, you know, where you rent a storage, but we have so much stuff. Uh, our garages, there's no room to put our cars in our garage. There's so much stuff. And if you have an attic, it's stuff. It's just, we've got things and just, and, and God's blessed us with, with wealth, but we've got so much on our plate and we're running ragged and running our children here. They're thinking we have to have them in all kinds of sports and activities and our lives are just total chaos sometimes. And so Jesus is saying, look, what, your life is more than just stuff. Open your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 
I want to read verses 1 through 7. And Jesus, or Paul's writing to Timothy here, and he's helping us to try to, to realize that we just can't be involved in everything. We've got to focus our lives around the kingdom of God. And he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Verse 3, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. Verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Kind of summing it up, it's like we need to be focused on what our mission as children of God is. It's pleasing God, it's, it's serving God, it's glorifying God. And, and sometimes it's not only getting things done in life, but it's knowing what things to leave undone and what things to leave behind. Uh, you've probably heard this story here. I'm gonna read you the story about the fisherman and the businessman. I think it's, it's kind of amusing here, but. One day a fisherman was on a beautiful beach with his fishing pole and his solitary line cast out into the sparkling blue surf. He was enjoying the warmth of the afternoon sun and the prospect of catching a fish. About that time, a businessman came walking down the beach trying to relieve some of the stress of his workday. He noticed the fisherman sitting on the beach and decided to find out why this fishing, fisherman was fishing instead of working harder to make a living for himself and his family. You aren't going to catch many fish that way, said the businessman to the fisherman. You should be working rather than standing here on the beach. The fisherman looked up at the businessman, smiled, and replied, And what will my reward be? Well, you can buy some nets and catch more, catch more fish, was the businessman's answer. And then what will my reward be, asked the fisherman, still smiling. The businessman replied, You will make money and you'll be able to buy a boat which will then result in larger catches of fish. And then what will my reward be again, asked the fisherman. The businessman was beginning to get a little irritated with the fisherman's questions. Well, you can buy a bigger boat and, and hire some people to work for you, he said. And then what will my re reward be, repeated the fisherman. The businessman was getting angry. Don't you understand? You could build up a fleet of fishing boats, sail all over the world, and let all your employees catch fish for you. Once again, the fisherman asked, and then what will my reward be? The businessman was red with rage and shouted at the fisherman, don't you understand? You can become so rich that you'll never have to work for your living again. You can spend the rest of your days sitting on this beach looking at the sunset. You won't have a care in the world. The fisherman, still smiling, looked up and said, and what do you think I'm doing right now? Well, obviously we all have professions, we have to work, but the idea is so many people work so hard I, to, to, to be able to, to have a, a simpler life eventually after they retire. Um, I was teaching uh, English, I was teaching the Bible in English to the president of Munisman Corporation. It was a German steel factory in, in Brazil, the largest uh, steel pipe, seamless steel pipes in the world. And, and it was a tremendous business. And we would use two Bibles. And I would, 
you know, we would read the text and we'd talk about it and, and things. But he was so looking forward to his retirement when he could just go off and, and stay on his farm and, and feed his chickens and everything. In other words, worked so hard to do things that most people have been doing for centuries, just simple lifestyles, getting, uh, feeding your families, but, but not trying to conquer the world by yourself. So Jesus pleased God by living a focused lifestyle. Number three, Jesus pleased God by loving. Loving God and loving others. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to please God, love him and love your neighbor. In the book of John, John, John describes himself five different times as the one whom Jesus loved. And that's kind of like, that leaves people kind of distressed. Like, what do you mean? Like, he didn't love the others? Or was he special? Was he Jesus' favorite? No. Because uh, he talks about other people that Jesus loved. But Jesus made everybody feel like you were his favorite. <laughs> he loved you that much. Uh, John also wrote, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And then uh, he also says that Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then later on in chapter 15, John writes, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, speaking of Jesus. And then Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so if we want to please God, uh, we need to be people, loving people. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus uh, was a loving uh, and pleased God. Also, to please God, Jesus was very compassionate. Uh, turn in your Bible to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I think this is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, chapters in all the Bible. Um, the reason is it shows us our situation in life. No one knows from one day to the next if we'll be here and we all go through, face death eventually with loved ones. But Jesus is there and he's, he's purp on purpose waits till Lazarus passes away so he can come and raise him from the dead to, to show the world that he's God in the flesh. Beginning in verse 32. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And that's a, Jesus didn't get on to her for that uh, accusation. Uh, people, when, when they lose a loved one, it's, it's traumatic. And, and, and quite often, people that don't understand, they might blame God. Where, where was God? Why did, why did he allow this to happen? But Jesus lets her grieve. And he, he, in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. He had compassion. In his, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Not because Lazarus died. He waited on purpose for Lazarus to die. And he knew that in a few minutes, Lazarus would be alive. But he was so troubled and, and, and deeply moved because of the pain and the suffering of other people. He was so compassionate. Verse 34. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35. The Bible says that Jesus wept. He cried. 
a grown man crying, knowing, even knowing that in a few minutes Lazarus will be alive. Verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister, uh, and well, I'll, I'll stop there. But we can see here that, that, that Jesus made God happy because he was a person of compassion. In Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And, and later on, he tells us that he fed uh, some 5,000. Our daughter, Vanessa, when she was about three, uh, would see the street children. We had lots of kids that just had to run in the streets and beg for money and they couldn't come home if, if they had a home to, uh, until they had so much money or just sleep on the streets. But she would say, um, well, she'd throw a doll baby out the window <laughs> to kids in the street, you know, so they could have it. And uh, she said, when I grow up, I'm going to buy a big truck and go around and pick up all these little kids. So, you know, it's a compassion from a child's heart, a pure heart, and that's the kind of compassion Jesus had for us and, and we ought to have for one another. So Jesus pleased God by being compassionate. He also pleased God by being humble. Matthew chapter 20, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow, Jesus came to serve and, and to be an example for us. In John uh, chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So uh, the Savior, the creator of the world came to serve and to show us how we ought to live. Uh, there's a, a really interesting uh, passage here in Luke chapter 18. I won't, we won't read it because of time's sake right now, but uh, this Pharisee's in the temple and he's praying and there's this tax collector over there and he's praying, Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm not like this tax collector, uh, but I, I tithe everything that I make and I fast twice a week. And, uh, and then the tax collector, Jesus said, wouldn't even look up to heaven. He just beat on his chest and said, Lord, you know, I'm a sinner, forgive me. And Jesus said that tax collector went home justified before God and not the Pharisee. The tax collector was humble and God exalted him. So to please God, we need to be humble. Also, uh, we need to be prayerful. Number six, uh, prayerful. Jesus, in John chapter 17, it's the night before he's going to be crucified and he's praying and he's praying for his followers. The followers will come. He's praying that we would be one so that the world would know that that God is God and that we're his followers. Uh, he's praying for the faith that, that, that people wouldn't fall away. Uh, and, and Jesus, being God, if he needed prayer, if he spent time in prayer, how much more should we? Proverbs 15, 8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. God loves for us to pray to him. Don't you love for your children to talk to or people that you love? Don't you love talking to people? God loves intimacy with us and he wants us 
to share our concerns, and he wants us to come and ask for the things that we need and, and to thank him for, for our blessings. First uh, Timothy 2, 1 through 3 says, First of all, I then I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. So it's pleasing to God that we pray for those who are in charge of our government. So Jesus pleased God by, uh, by being prayerful. Number seven, Jesus pleased God by being forgiving. Uh, on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Rather than curse them, rather than want the, what was evil, he's praying even uh, for their forgiveness, for their change of heart. Um, I, I want to read you about just a quick story here about Daniel de Porto Alegre. Dan Daniel was a, a Christian there in the southern city of Porto Alegre, Brazil. He's since passed away, but he was a giant man. <laughs> he was big, and he used to make his living by lifting weights and teaching others to do the same. His scrapbook is full of colorful, uh, full of uh, ribbons and photos of him in his prime, striking muscle, that muscle man pose and flexing his, the bulging arms. The only thing bigger than Daniel is his biceps. Then, uh, the only thing bigger than Daniel's biceps is his heart. Let me tell you about a time his heart became tender. This was written by another missionary, so I wanted to read this, how he wrote it. Daniel was living in the southern city of Porto Alegre, he worked at a gym and dreamed of owning his own. The bank agreed to finance the purchase if he could find someone to co-sign the note. His brother agreed. They filled out all the applications and waited the approval. Everything went smoothly, and Daniel soon received a call from the bank telling him he could come and pick up the check. As soon as he got off work, he went to the bank. When the loan officer saw Daniel, he looked up surprised and asked Daniel why he had come. To pick up the check, Daniel explained. That's funny, responded the banker. Your brother was in here earlier. He picked up the money and used it to retire the mortgage on his house. Daniel was incensed. He never dreamed his own brother would trick him like that. He stormed over to his brother's house and pounded on the door. The brother answered the door with his daughter in his arms. He knew Daniel wouldn't hit him if he was holding a child. He was right. Daniel didn't hit him. But he promised his brother that if he ever saw him again, he would break his neck. Daniel went home, his big heart bruised and ravaged by the trickery of his brother. He had no other choice but to go back to the gym and work to pay off the debt. A few months later, Daniel met a young missionary named Alan Dutton. Alan befriended Daniel and taught him about Jesus. Daniel and his wife soon became Christians and devoted disciples. But though Daniel had been been forgiven so much, he still found it impossible to forgive his brother. The wound was deep. The pot of revenge still simmered. He didn't see his brother for two years. Daniel couldn't bring himself to look into the face of, one, of the one who had betrayed him, and his brother liked his own face too much to let Daniel see it. But an encounter was inevitable. Both knew that they would eventually run into each other, and neither knew what would happen then. The, account, the encounter occurred one day on a busy avenue. Let Daniel tell in his own words what happened. I saw him, but he didn't see me. I felt my fist clench and my face get hot. 
My initial impulse was to grab him around the throat and choke the life out of him. But as I looked into his face, my anger began to melt. For as I saw him, I saw the image of my father. I saw my father's eyes. I saw my father's look. I saw my father's expression. And as I saw my father in his, fa in his face, my enemy once again became my brother. Daniel walked toward him. The brother stopped, turned, and started to run, but he was too slow. Daniel reached out and grabbed his shoulder. The brother winced, expecting the worst, but rather than have his throat squeezed by Daniel's hands, he found himself hugged by Daniel's big arms. And the two brothers stood in the middle of the river of people and wept. Daniel's words are worth repeating. When I saw the image of my father in his face, my enemy became my brother. So Jesus pleased God by forgiving. And last of all, Jesus pleased God by being pure and holy. Pure and holy. We might think, well, I can't be pure and holy. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted every way like we are, but yet without sin. But I have sin. I can't... I'm, I'm weak, I'm, I'm a sinner. Well, Jesus died on the cross so that his righteousness would be credited to our account so that we would be justified. We'd be made as if we've never sinned. We know that we're sinners. We know that we, if we can walk in the light and we confess our sins, then he is just to forgive us of all of our sins. But, but through the blood of Jesus, we can be pure and holy. And so I, I want to encourage you, if you're not a Christian, to have confidence to draw near to the throne of grace that you might receive the mercy and grace that, that God offers us. Uh, be pure and holy. You can please God as well. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for blessing us, for taking care of us. We thank you for Jesus' example, Father. We thank you that he lived to do your will, Father. We're so grateful that he lived a, a focused lifestyle and that he was loving, Father. We're so blessed uh, by his compassion. We're so blessed by his humility and his prayerful life, Father. Uh, we're just so thankful that he is so willing to forgive, and above all, for his purity and his holiness so that we can be pure and holy through him. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing. Broken heart, no my vice.